have uh, the joy to read our teaching text today and also to introduce our guest preacher. Um, preaching today is William Mack, my friend William Mack. He is a, a spiritual director. He works for a, a ministry called Rooted Ministries that helps pastors and churches um, stay rooted in God's love. And he um, also was a church planter. He planted and pastored a church down in Louisville, uh, Kentucky for quite some time before moving up to Chicago for his wife to attend North Park Seminary. And he is currently finishing up his studies at uh, Garrett Evangelical Seminary. So grateful for Mac, grateful to have him and have what he has for us this morning. Today's teaching text uh, comes from the book of Isaiah, verses 40, chapter 43, verses 18 through 21. And this is taken from uh, the Passion Translation. Stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember these former things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now, it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Wild beasts, jackals, and owls will glorify me. For I supply streams of water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness to satisfy the thirst of my people, my chosen ones, so that you, whom I have shaped and formed for myself, will proclaim my praise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, First Free. It is so good to be with you all this morning, and I will tell you now that even now I am, um, I stay in awe of what the Holy Spirit is doing at any given time, but um, particularly this particular morning, um, you know, Pastor Matt's been on vacation and um, hadn't really had a lot of communication about um, like songs or prayer set up or whatever was going to happen, but to see how God kind of weaves everything together so that we can have a clear understanding that his presence is with us is absolutely amazing. So there have been quite a few things that have been spoken from this platform that I feel like have already been in my notes. So all I need to do is just say amen and we can go home, right? Um, thank you all for just your love and your support. Um, it has been a joy to be um, in the space doing spiritual direction. Um, and we're grateful for that. I'm grateful for my new office friends, Aurora and Maggie and, and all the other folks I get to see coming up and down the steps. It's really been a great community to be connected to. I have to tell you all, um, my son, um, earlier this week, excuse me, earlier this week, um, i try to stick to my New Year's resolutions and, you know, try to get this body just a little bit more, you know, shapely, right? Um, it's already in a shape. I just wanted a little bit more, you know, not as round. Um, and so um, this, this week I went hard, Matt. I went hard. I went hard. I was, I was, I was treadmilling it. I'm lifting weights. And, you know, uh, for those of us who used to be athletes, something in our brain goes, this is what you used to do? 
you can do it again. Let me tell you, when you're in your 40s, that's a lie, okay? Um, and so I went back and I was doing some kettlebell stuff, right? I used to do kettlebell stuff all the time. I was a wrestler in high school, wrestler in college. I was really good. I could, I could kettlebell with it. Um, y'all know where this is headed, right? And um, the other night I was kettlebelling it, and I kettlebelled too far, and I heard my body say, what you think you're doing? But I was like, body, we got this, because we used to do this all the time. I woke up the next morning and I could not move this arm. I had never experienced pain like that in my entire life. There may have been some water coming from my face. My wife, God bless her, she equates everything to childbirth. So she's like, are you having a baby? I'm like, no, she, you'll be all right. I'm like, no, wait, this hurts. This hurts a lot. And men don't handle pain the same way that women handle pain. I need you. So anyway, after a visit to the urgent treatment, it's a muscle relaxes later. I'm here, right? Um, heating pads, all the things. And now this is healing. Um, and I feel a lot better than I did that morning. Um, but my son said to me this morning, this is the whole purpose of me telling you this. He said, Dad, when you get up to preach this morning, I want you to take care of that shoulder. Because I don't want you to end your career. Now, I don't know what my son thought I was going to do this morning, uh, but if I seem a little bit more subdued than the last time I was here, I want you to know that's because I'm taking the advice of my son and taking care of this shoulder because he does not want me to end my preaching career doing, I don't know what, anyway, I was like, uh, I'm going to be fine, but thank you so much for your concern. Beloved, it is good to be in the house of the Lord one more time as we enter into this time this morning. I would ask you all to give me a little permission because as I was sitting in my time of prayer this week and preparing uh, to be with you, I really felt like the Lord really was leading me into more of a time of contemplative reflection around these scriptures. Um, and so this will not be a traditional preaching. Here's the facts and we're going to move on, but we will take moments of silence and pause just to sit and hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us. Is that okay? And so, um, um, so for those of you who are uncomfortable with silence, get comfortable real quick. Uh, for those of y'all who are expecting me to be a little bit more dynamic and didactic, I'm telling you, my son told me that I got to take care of the shoulder, so I can't do that. But I do promise you that we will spend some time with the Holy Spirit. So is that Okay. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for reading the scripture. I want to read it one more time. And for those of you who are note takers or if you've got a journal with you today, I just want to spend some time today around the idea of a path forward. A path forward. Now, the scripture in Isaiah has set us up um, and we enter into a place in the lives of the children of Israel where they find themselves in um, exile and under the thumb of the Babylonians. Now, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about the history and how they got there. Long story short, um, um, many commentaries and, and even Isaiah says earlier in the book that they had forgotten what God had done for them. And as a result, it led them into this place of sin and idolatry where they were, where they were worshiping other gods. And because they had forgotten about the God of their salvation, because they had forgotten about their rootedness in his love and how they, they were his chosen people, this, this place of, of, of idolatry led them into a place of sin and they were completely um, uh, taken over as a punishment by God because they had forgotten who they were. 
They had forgotten their place. They had forgotten that, that God wanted to use them as an example in the earth to magnify his glory and his love that God had chosen them. And because of such, they now find themselves in exile. They find themselves under condemnation, under the thumb of the Babylonian empire. And, and the prophet Isaiah begins to give them some prophecies about where they are, but as we get towards the end of the book, and letting them know that they won't always be there. That this place that you find yourself in right now, this place that that seems corrupt and uncomfortable, this place that is full of sin and and anger and murder, like you will not be here always. And so it is a book to remind them of, of, of where they've come from, but it's also a book of hope. And I don't know about y'all, but I could use a little hope today. Is it all right? And so Isaiah tells them in one of the prophecies, the Lord speaks to Isaiah in chapter 43. Uh, Pastor has already read the, 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 the first one. I want to read it to you again. He says simply this, stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember the former things, for I am doing something brand new. Something, listen to this, unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Here's the question. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Wild beasts, jackals and owls will glorify me for I supply streams of water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness to satisfy the thirst of my people. My chosen ones. So that you who I have shaped and formed for myself will proclaim my praise. Give me a moment. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, you are with us in this place. As my sister shared earlier, you already can feel the sweet spirit that is abiding amongst us. I pray now, Father, as we spend some time in your word that We will tune our ears and our hearts to the frequency of heaven to hear what you would have to say to us individually and collectively so that we will leave here just a little bit more encouraged and reminded of the great love you have for us, the great call that you have for us, and the fact that you will never leave or forsake us. Father, do what you do. I hide myself behind you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seeing it's the first Sunday of Black History Month, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, bring to the pulpit with me one of the ancestors and one of my champions of black history, and that is Miss Fannie Lou Hamer. Anybody know who Fannie Lou Hamer is? Or anybody heard the name of Fannie Lou Hamer? Yes, right? I, I absolutely love Fannie Lou Hamer. For those of you who are not familiar with Miss Fannie Lou Townsend Hamer, um, Fannie Lou Hamer was born in 1917 to family of sharecroppers. Um, she grew up on a plantation picking cotton with her family in 1917. And at the age of 12, because the family needed additional hands out into the fields, she dropped out of school and she went out into the fields full time um, to be a sharecropper. Now, because Fanny was such a great reader and she knew how to write, she quickly became 
one of the individuals on the plantation who was responsible for helping the other individuals on the plantation read and write and keep time. She was trusted by both the plantation owner and by uh, those who worked in the field to make sure that things were done equitably and fair, to make sure that the time put in was actually the time that was noted. Fannie Lou Hamer um, um, realized very quickly that she uh, had a gift simply because she could read and that she could write, but she also understood that times are supposed to be changing and reflecting equality, not only in the field, but everywhere else in this country. Fannie uh, decided one year that she was going to go to um, a SNCC committee meeting. Now, SNCC was an organization that was responsible for helping voters, both black and white, get registered so they could vote in their time. In 1962, she led 17 volunteers to register to vote at the Indiola, Mississippi courthouse, and they were denied their right to vote due to an unfair literacy test. As the group was harassed and on their way home, they were arrested and fined and thrown into jail because, ready for this, the bus they were riding on was too yellow. When Fannie returned home, the plantation owner fired her for having the audacity to attempt to vote, and she and her husband were left destitute. That was just the fire that Fannie needed, and in 1964, she gained a reputation for being a community organizer. And so she co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democratic, uh, excuse me, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, and challenged the local Democratic Party for efforts to block participation of black votes. And from 64 and until 68, Fannie organized what is known as Freedom Summer. And during Freedom Summer, hundreds of college students from around the country, black and white, came together to help African-Americans voters, excuse me, to help African-American voters get registered in the segregated South. And in 1964, she announced her candidacy for the Mississippi House of Representatives and was barred from the ballot. As a matter of fact, when she gave her speech, the president at the time interrupted her speech to make a national press conference because they knew that her testimony of how voter suppression in the South would make a huge influence and they did not want a black woman to have that much influence. Little did they know, little did President Johnson know, that even though she had made this 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 nationally televised uh, uh, testimony and that they knew his uh, uh, announcement was going to proceed or supersede it, um, the news still carried it for an entire week. And so what he had meant to do to suppress her voice actually amplified her voice for months to come. She traveled extensively throughout the South, gave speeches to civil rights, and one of which is my favorite. I think the next slide is up there. She says, sometimes I tell you, I tell you the truth today is to run the risk of being killed. But if I fall, I fall five foot, four inches forward in the fight for freedom. I'm not backing off. I love that. I love a sassy black woman who's only five foot four, but in her mind, she's six foot five. If I fall, at least I fall five foot four feet forward. I'm not backing off. Fannie Lou Hamer died in 1971. But after 
before her death, excuse me, this woman had established not only a pathway for black voters and low-income white voters who were normally suppressed in the voting process, not only has she created a pathway for their voices to be heard through the votes, but she also created a socioeconomic system in the South where people could use their gifts and their talents to generate income. She started what they called the piggy bank. And the piggy bank simply was a bank for individuals who raised and sold pigs so that they could exchange their goods in a safe and economic way to make sure that they receive the financial compensation that they deserve. Fannie Lou Hainham was a bad sister. And on this first Sunday in February, this first Sunday in Black History Month, and as we look and reflect on these scriptures, I I can't help believe that Fannie, in in her her sharecropping and her picking cotton in this time where they said your place of a black woman is to be in this field, picking this cotton with your voice, silence, I believe Fannie said, "Uh, something ain't right. This can't just be what God has created me to be. God has to be doing something new. And all around me, the the winds of change are blowing. All around me, people are, 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 are not sitting in the back of the bus because they know they have a right to sit up front. All around me, I hear the voices of men and women of color and, and white folks who are saying, this is not fair. And equity looks like equity for all of us, not just for some of us. And even little old me, with a 12-year-old education, female and black in this cotton field, this can't just be all that God has created me to be. One of the things that I want us to, to, to lift together today, if you don't mind, is as we look at Fanny's story, and as we look at the prophet speaking to the children of Israel, and we hear God speaking through the prophet, uh, to, to, he, says this, he says, I'm creating a pathway forward for you. Even though you are in systems and places of condemnation, you are in systems and places of shame, places that are corrupt, places that are unfair, places where you look like there is no way out, places where you look like your voice has no way. I want you to know there is a path forward. And so Isaiah, tell my people that I am with them. And the first thing I want them to do is I want them to forget the former things. Literally, I want you to release the past. Now, this does not mean that we are to ignore, to downplay the places that we've been in, the places and the things that we've been through. But actually, this is an invitation from God Almighty himself who says, I want you to release yourself from those places of shame and regret and the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Anybody ever have these thoughts run through your mind? Well, I should have done this. I wish I could could have done that. Well, if I would have done this, and I, I like to remind people that wherever we find shoulda, woulda, coulda, literally shame is lurking somewhere behind. And God is saying, look, I'm not telling you that what happened to you is not important, but what I'm telling you is do not live there. Release the past. Don't make your home there. And as we listen to this first step in the pathway, there's a question that I want to ask you is what are the places, what are the things that you need to release in order to move forward? What is the hurt? What are the offense? 
What, 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 what has been done or what have you done that you said, I never can move on from this? Listen up, Israel. I'm fully aware that you turned your back and you started worshiping other guys or maybe you kept worshiping me, but maybe your life wasn't really reflecting me and now you're in this place. But I want you to know that the invitation today from your God is not that you linger in this place of shame. Not that you dwell in this place of offense. Not that you live in this place of anger. He tells them, I want you to forget the former things. I want you to release the past. Pastor Mac, you don't know what I've been through. Sometimes that's easier said than done. It was years and years and 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 I hear you. I hear you and you're not even talking out loud. Because sometimes it is hard to let it go. Because if, 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 I, if I let it go, that means that somehow I'm ignoring my narrative, that I'm forgetting it. And I'm not telling you to forget it because guess what? God never intended for us to forget. Because if we forgot, then we'd never have a testimony. Memory is literally the gift that God has given each and every one of us so that we may be able to track what God has done throughout our lives. Because I can never sing about the sun unless I can tell you about the rain. I'm not telling you that that what you went through is invalid or that it it does not matter that the experiences that you have are no longer. But what I am saying is that you ain't got to build your home there. And so the invitation today is to release the past. And just for a moment, I just want us to hold that together. What is the past? What are the things that we've been holding on to consciously or subconsciously that today the Holy Spirit is saying, I know that hurt. I know that was offensive. But today, my sister and my brother, I want you to be free. And I'm not just talking to the church collectively. I'm speaking to you, my sister, to you, my brother, individually. Today, the Holy Spirit is inviting me to say, Mac, forget the former things. Deconstruct, blow up, knock down the house that you built in your shame, in your regrets. Release just for a moment. Where are those things that God is inviting you to release in this season? God goes on and speaks to the prophet and says, forget the former things for behold, I am doing a a new thing. And what I love about this particular part of the passage is says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Question, can't you feel it? Can't you perceive it? Many times we, 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 we release ourselves from thinking that maybe God wants to do something new because we can't see it immediately. But how many of you know that sometimes you can feel it before you see it? 
As I looked at your pastor's wife, we know that there is a baby that is growing and maturing in her belly. Amen. But we don't see it. But I bet you she feels it. My wife and I have five children, and I was, I was sharing with her earlier. I said, I knew when my wife was ready for the babies to come out because she was like, I want my body back. This is too much. <laughs> I couldn't see my sons growing in my wife's belly. But every now and then, she would say, hey, put your hand right here. Do you feel that? I could feel movement. I could feel kicking. I could feel there was something going on on the inside that, that, that I wasn't carrying, but I knew God was doing something. And from time to time, I would get glimpses when we go to the, to the hospital and we would have an ultrasound. And I'd be like, oh, look at this beautiful shadowy line thingy. I think that's my baby. That's beautiful. But I didn't have a clear image until the Lord allowed the appointed time to come for what was on the inside to be birthed on the outside. And that wasn't even an easy task itself because my wife still had to do some work on her end. She had to do some pushing and some crying and some travailing in order for what God to do on the inside to finally make itself manifest on the outside. God is speaking to the children of Israel. Behold, I am doing a new thing. First free. I am doing a new thing. Matt, I am doing a new thing. Aurora, I am doing a new thing. And I know you can't see it, but can't you feel it? Let me describe what some of the feelings may be. The fact that you are uncomfortable with injustice, you're feeling it. The fact that we took time this morning to cry because a baby lost his life way before he should have, you're feeling it. The fact that you're not comfortable with this political race. Can I be honest with you? I, I, I've been carrying a bit of anxiety that I had to release to God because we're in a whole new uh, election cycle. And that has been creating some things on the inside of me. And I said, God, I don't like feeling like this. I don't like moving like this. And the Lord was like, it's because you don't like injustice. You don't like people playing with other people's lives. You saw right to feel it. Can't live there. But can you not feel that God is stirring and moving and doing something in and through you. Can you not perceive it? The thing I love about this is that God reminds us that his business has always been making things new. God has an awesome track record, an awesome reputation of taking something old and, and making it new again. Come here, Adam. Step into the room. Adam, after he could not find a suitable help, meet the Lord, placed him to sleep, took something out of Adam's old rib and created something new and said, whoa, man, that's dope. God is in the business of making things new. And the reason why we have to release the past is that we can't embrace the new and hold the both at the same time. I have some friends back home in Louisville, Kentucky, who I love spending time with. Uh, but I got a couple of them that I got to monitor my time with because the only thing they want to talk about, Glenn, is yesteryear. You remember when? You remember we used to? Remember we how to? And remember I told you back in the day I was a different shape and I had a different, I, yeah, I remember all that, but now I'm 40-something. My life is different. Our circumstances are different. The world we live in is different. So I can visit it from time to time and we can regale and have nostalgia over yesteryear. But God is doing something new. 
And I don't want to be so spent out holding on yesterday that I miss what God is doing today. So the question is, what do you perceive God is doing new? Not what you can see, but what do you feel? What do you what is the invitation of your spirit in your heart that God is drawing and stirring on the inside of you and saying, my son or my daughter, I want you to know that even now I am stirring something new in you. What is God stirring in the life of first free and saying, behold, my sisters and brothers, I know you've got a deep, rich, beautiful history. And I know that there are some ugly parts of the history, too. And that's OK, because whenever humans get involved, ugly's going to get involved. That's all right. But what is God stirring in the new? Can you not perceive it? So as we sit for a moment, I ask the question, what is the new thing that you are perceiving that God's doing in you? your home, your family, this church. And I want to invite you all to, as you're just sitting with the spirit and contemplating this, to, to not discredit the thing that seems too big for you. You know, typically we, we discredit things. It's like, there's no way I could do that. And that's, that's beautiful. I'm glad you can't. And leaves room for God to do something. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I, I love how uh, the NIV says, he says that I am making a, a water, I am making streams in the desert and water in the wilderness. It's, and, and whenever we see um, these visions of water or images of water in the scriptures, um, these are places of nourishment and refreshing. And so God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, as we move down this path, I want you not only to release the past and embrace what I'm doing new, but I want you in the process to run to your rivers. I want you to run to the waters in the wilderness and the streams and the wasteland. I want you to run to your rivers. And I think this image is, is actually beautiful because it reminds us that even in the most barren places, God will create an, not an oasis, because the oasis is a figure of our imagination when we find ourselves in desert places, but he creates a place of rest that is real. 
I'm reminded what David says in 23rd Psalms that, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, uh, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He sets out a table in this place that is dry and desert and really, really scary. And he says, as you're walking through this very scary, very hard place, I prepare this table because I want you to sit down and eat. As you go, this is the reminder from God that I am not sending you alone. You are not doing this alone. That I have left wells of refreshing waters and streams and deserts and wastelands. And beloved, many of us will go on and on and find ourselves dehydrated and finding ourselves parched and unsatiated, trying to figure out what can I do and how can I do it? Because this is too much. And God is telling Israel, just like he's speaking to you today, you don't have to do this alone. I will give you what you need when you need it. And if I pause right now and just pass the mic, I'm pretty sure that's been the testimony for many of you in this room. That just when you did not think you could go on anymore, God provided the station, excuse me, satiated you and nourished you right where you needed it to be. When you when you found yourself in this place where there was nothing but tears and heartache, God sent his spirit around you and comforted you in the moments when you needed him the most. He sent wells of refreshing through music, wells of refreshing through just encouragement, wells of refreshing through phone calls, wells of refreshing through a random smile on the face. God has a way of giving us water in the wilderness and streams and wastelands and ways and in places that we did not know, but sometimes we walk past them. And so as we release the past and embrace the new, the question I want to ask you, where are your rivers? What have been your rivers of refreshing? What have been your wells? What have been, who has been those places where you have seen and experienced God? And could it be that God is saying, I want you to remember that just as I provided then, I will provide now. So as you go, run to your rivers. Run to those places, those scriptures, those individuals, those environments where you know that in this place, with this person, at this time, I can experience God. And when I experience God here and I'm refueled and I'm refreshed, I know that I can go on a little bit longer. What have been your wells of refreshing? For Fanny, it was this opportunity and the people who came alongside her. And as they moved forward on this freedom journey, she knew that there were people who loved her and that as I spent time with them, even though I've been locked up, I'm going to be all right because God shows himself through these individuals. What are the places? What are the communities? What are the opportunities? What are the rivers that God has placed in your life? Finally, God says to the prophet, he said, for my chosen people, the people I formed for myself, that's you, that you may proclaim my praise. 
One of the things I love about reading about the Freedom Riders in 1977 is that they would take songs that many of us know that we grew up singing in church and they would they would remix them, if you will, to 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 encourage themselves as they were going through some really dangerous places in Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia to get people registered to vote. They knew that the work that they were going to do was hard. They knew that many of them would be jailed. Matter of fact, Fannie was jailed herself. And if you YouTube her testimony, she will tell you that the summer that she was jailed for being on a bus that was too yellow, three officers came into the jail cell and they whipped her, beat her pretty bad, and told her, you will remember this for the rest of your life. She got back up. And one of the things that, that helped her, this community, I had a dear friend of mine who just went home to be with the Lord, who was part of that Freedom Summer. She said, Max, she said, we would be on the bus, even though we knew that officers were looking at us on the side of the road. She said, and somebody would just start singing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. She said, then the pops will pull us over. She said, and we got jailed. She said, we kept singing, even in the middle of the jail. Shining this light for freedom. I'm going to let it shine. Shining this light for freedom. I'm going to let it shine. Shining this light for freedom. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Now check this out. They were in jail. Arrested. Many of them were beat. And told, you do not have the right to exist in this space or demand equity and equality for anybody else. Your place is on the plantation. Your place is to pick cotton. And they kept singing, Jesus gave it to me. And I'm going to let it shine. Jesus gave it to me. I'm going to let it shine. Jesus gave it to me. And I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And they will beat them and try to discourage them them and stop them and they said no <laughs> the winds of change are blowing God is doing something and I am more than just a black person that is supposed to be picking cotton for the rest of my life I know that God has done something in me that is supposed to point to his life that is supposed to point to his freedom and I don't care how much you hit me if I die at least I fall five foot four feet towards freedom but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to back down I don't know who the Holy Spirit is speaking to today, but I want you to know that when we find ourselves on the pathway where we are discouraged because we do not see the light and we cannot find our way out, Jesus said, you are my people who I have created for myself and I want you to proclaim my praises for what I've done, for what I'm doing right now and what is to come. Because I am in the business of making things new. And I know it seems hard and I know that it is tough. And I know you might get discouraged from this time, from time to time. But I want you to know this little light of mine, you're going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let me check this out. The reason why rejoicing in the middle of the desert and in the wilderness is so important is that worship, praise, rejoicing, if you will, reminds us that there is a place and there is a God greater than where I am right now. 
And while I may feel hopeless and I might feel weak, I know that the God that was with me then is the God that is with me now. And he is going to be the God that will see me until the end. He says, I want you to rejoice. You will rejoice even in exile, even in condemnation because you are my people. And because you are my people, you know me better. You know, you know that this is not going to last always. You know that it's not always going to be cloudy. You know that it's not always going to be hard because there have been times that you and I have walked together through the valley of the shadow of death. I've met you at the rivers of refreshing. And even though it may be hard right now, refuel, refresh and rejoice because we We've got work to do. Shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. There is no way that a woman with a 12-year-old education should be in the history books for being one of the greatest civil rights leaders of our times. There's no way that a woman that was kicked off, uh, the, kicked out of the fields and kicked um, into destitution because she just wanted to help a few people register to vote. There's no reason why she should be in the history books. But there was something that was blowing in the spirit that says, I am speaking to you, my sister, to lead and to shape and to support what I want to do for people. I want you to know, my sisters and my brothers, that even though though times seem hard and we do not see the tangible way out right now. The Lord is whispering to us now, behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I am giving you water in the desert. I'm giving you streams and the wasteland so that my people will be able to rejoice and proclaim my name. There is a path forward, my brothers and my sisters, a path forward that will allow us to sit with our our Venezuelan brothers and sisters, a pathway that will allow Democrats and Republicans to worship together. There is a path forward and God is stirring something in you. There is a path forward for your family to, to, to come out of darkness and depression and into light. And I'm telling you that the path starts and it ends with God being with you the entire time. Release, come out of the former places. Embrace what God is stirring in you. Rest at the rivers of refreshing and rejoice because God is with you now and he will be with you then. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, sing with me. Y'all can say, this little light of mine. Y'all sound good. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Shine, shine, shine. Come on, come on. I'm going to, come on, get yourself out of it. Shine, shine. It won't be like this forever. Come on. I'm going to let it shine. Come on, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.